Flacco under center. Rolls. Throws for the goal line. And that's going to be a touchdown. A touchdown. And that, that is Collins. And it looked like the Steelers did not have him guarded well. No, he was wide open. Like I said, man, we try, we're we a group on the rise. We're putting together, um, you know, we're putting together this film, but we got to put together a full game. And uh, we know that's one of the defense. And that's just something that one of our goals of defense to play a full game, man. And that's just something that we got to do. And we're looking forward to doing that on Sunday. That's Sean Davis, uh, group on the rise. I guess you're in the basement. If you get to the first floor, that is considered on the rise. I'm not even sure that that defense is on the first floor. We're joined now by our friend and colleague, Matt Williamson, now of ClaytonFootball.com. Matt, before we get to talk about the issues of the day and this Sunday, uh, this was the launch week for Clayton Football. You're a big part of that now. How did it go? Absolutely great. It started on Monday. Um, we have a this whole these first seven days, people can subscribe for free, show them what we're giving you. Um, there's a, a team of about five of us that might grow down the down the road, but it's been really good. I'm real excited about it. Good. That, by the way, Clayton is uh, John Clayton, Pittsburgh native, yeah. of course, and ESPN, just so everybody knows, and that's great. You can uh, read Matt um, uh, for that brand new site just launched this week. Uh, Matt, my first question uh, is one question, but has about 150 answers. Um, <laughs> you've probably gotten it a lot this week. What is wrong with the Steelers? Oh, how did Chuck Knoll say it? I mean, there's, they're great in many, or they, however exactly he said it. About Sidney Thorne, he said he has many problems and they are great. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Um, however, you know, and the, and the same can be true about this week's opponent, this team could easily be 3-1 and one or it could be 0-4. Oh I, I mean, they're, they're hard to judge exactly where they're at. I do think offensively they've asked too much out of Roethlisberger, and he hasn't delivered as much as his reputation would suggest, and he's missed some guys, and this past week was particularly poor. The defense just can't cover anyone. I I mean, I know that sounds simplistic, but the middle of the field is always open. Guys are running free. They're still blowing coverages on the back end. The corner position outside of Hayden, is questionable. I have some issues with scheme in, in, in general, too. I don't have a great answer of how to fix it. You know, we saw more too high safeties, you know, as the week went on to eliminate the big plays, but I don't think Edmonds is equipped to be a deep guy. So they really need to find some identity on that side of the ball. But the, the only, the promising things, I mean, maybe I'm reaching here a little bit, are when on defense, I do think their run defense is pretty decent. You know, they're not getting gashed on the ground. And I do believe, going back to last year where they led the league in sacks, that they can rush the passer. And some of it is through scheme and blitzes and whatnot. But if you could have one thing on defense to build around, I want to pass rush in today's NFL. Yeah, given the way the game is going. Um, I found Sunday night's game uh, to really be contradicting. On the one hand... Um, after the you know first couple of touchdowns, I mean, I thought the defense played really well. They kept the team in the game. Yeah, the offense yeah. did nothing to take advantage of that. They got three consecutive stops in the third quarter, and even then, they held them to field goals. However, the counterman to that is eight for seventeen on third down conversions. Um, they couldn't get off the field either, so it was kind of a mixed bag with them defensively. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I agree with what you said. 
But this goes back to coaching to me. My biggest complaint from that entire game is probably about the portion of the game where you're referring to, and that's what I was referring to too. Is they? Here's my impression of it: was the this is mostly fourth quarter, but into the third as well. The Ravens had a lead, and I think it was about eleven or twelve point lead. It was a two score lead at that point, and I felt like the Steelers said, "We don't trust our corners at all." We're going to play two high safeties. We're not allowing the big play here because we're getting gashed with big plays all year. I've had enough. We're going to play coverage. We're going to tackle the ball in front of us. We're not going to blitz much. Very conservative cover two schemes. And that's great. And I don't have a problem if they do that this week. But in that situation, that's exactly what Harbaugh wanted. Yeah. You know, we, we have a two-score lead. And we'll gladly dink and dunk down the field and eat up six minutes a clock. We know our field goal kicker is not going to miss. You know, like, that was awful, awful situational football to me. Hmm. That's a very interesting and astute uh, observation. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of Morgan Burnett. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I don't know. If you get the guy who's been around eight, nine years. He's 29. You know, things like this can happen. Um, how big of an issue has that been? And have you seen enough of Terrell Edmonds at least to uh, sort of form a preliminary opinion? Edmonds' athleticism still jumps off the screen, and I do think he has a, a bright future. But going back to that too high look, he can't do that. You know, like watching him with John Brown deep downfield, again, is coaching malpractice. He needs to be Troy Palomalo. He needs to be near the line of scrimmage. He needs to be asked to do a variety of things. He needs to be the joker, the wild card guy. Maybe he can develop into a deep coverage player, but he isn't one now. Burnett would be better in that regard, but he's not even close to the athlete at this stage of his career. So, you know, when you go back to the original story of how do you replace Shazier's athleticism, Burnett as your strong safety doesn't really help in that regard. But this week is interesting, and I don't think we're going to get to see it, but, you know, on, on the show Dale and I do, I think I've probably said this a million times that, I think we're going to see big nickel as opposed to two inside linebackers on the field. And with Vince Williams being hurt, I would love to see Burnett and Edmonds as near the line of scrimmage pseudo linebackers. But Burnett's been hurt. So the the potential answer or the potential uh, at least maybe solution would be to get Burnett, Edmonds, Davis, two corners on the field and give you some versatility and coverage. You know, tight ends might not kill you nearly as bad in the middle of the field, uh, give people different looks, and you'd be a lot faster. But it hasn't lined up that way. And Vince Williams is a key member. And I'm not taking any events against Vince, but he's a key guy because he wears the, 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 the green dot on his helmet. And now it looks like Bostic will be that guy. And I think Bostic's been the better player of the two. And neither one of those guys are bad players. But I keep saying when you have both those guys on the field, the middle of the field is slow, and you're going to get picked on there, and they sure have. That was the big offseason story. You know, seven yeah, DBs, right. you know, big nickel, whatever they wanted to call it. Um, do you think it's partly that they're reluctant to use it or just because of Burnett they haven't been able to use it? I don't know. I mean, I, I, probably a combination of both because, again, like if you isolate Williams or especially Bostick's play, it's not terrible, but it's also not Shazier-like. And, and what I mean by that is these are guys that are more downhill players. They're not as fit for today's NFL. They don't 
do as well in space. And Bostic, I think, is better than Williams that way. But you could see why, if you look at each player's performance on the defense, you could say in a nutshell, boy, it's not Vince Williams' fault or it's not Bostic's fault. Why should we switch it? But, I mean, you got to switch it. Moving to the linebackers, um, T.J. Watt was very quiet against Baltimore. Is that by scheme or design, or is he kind of flattening out a little bit? I think he's flattening out. I mean, really the last three games, I think he's been somewhat invisible. And, you know, we talked about the coverage. We talked about the back two-thirds of the defense quite a bit there. And I don't think any of us or I don't think any of us can convince one another that they're ever going to be a great coverage team this year. I mean, at all levels. I, I definitely don't think that. But the thing that they could be is much better at the line of scrimmage, win a lot more one-on-one matchups with offensive linemen. You know, that goes for Hayward, that goes for Tewitt, that goes for Bud, Hargrave, and particularly Watt. And that is why I have still have some optimism that the defense, if they can start winning up front, and again, they have stopped the run pretty well, if they can start winning those one-on-one matchups, which I believe they can, I think history showed us enough that these are those guys are pretty good players, that would go a long way. The other side, Bud Dupree now with three sacks in the last two games. We talked about uh, the one he had the week before where he did run or was blocked past the quarterback, planted and came back and got him, which, you know, instead of, you know, running all the way to the north side, you know, he, you know, he, uh, he or through the north side, I should say, uh, he stopped. He got another one last week. Is he starting to get it? I would reluctantly say yes. You know, I mean, some of his sacks, I think, are, again, not just whipping a good left tackle one-on-one, you know, and but he does hustle. He closes. I do think there's an art to some guys get a lot of near sacks and some guys close and get there, and I think that he's one of those ladder guys that whenever he's close, he has a great, powerful burst to the ball carrier. So I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a superstar, but I, I like what I've seen. I, I guess I can't complain with him so much. All right, let's 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 uh, go to the other side before we talk about the Atlanta game briefly. Uh, another one question with a 100 different answers to it. The A-B to Ben connection is not connecting often enough. Uh, one of the uh, listeners to the postgame show that Charlie Batch and I do and that you do during the preseason – uh, came up with something. He said, hey, we're talking about the running game, which is not very good, and we talk about the effect of not having Le'Veon Bell in that. Could it be that not having Le'Ve- Le'Veon Bell actually hurts them more in the passing game? Yes, yeah, so I do I do think that. And, and I got a couple notes on the LAB situation. A lot of what you said there is to stem off of because the more I think about the Le'Veon Bell absence, the more I think his greatest – you know, how he's harming the team is Atlanta's defensive coordinator right now doesn't have to scheme for him. Yeah. You know, it's much easier to scheme for one superstar than two and that are very, very different in skill sets. You know, like how do you scheme for the three guys the Chiefs throw at you? You know, so I do think it's much easier to scheme against the Steelers throughout the week and on game day without Bell in there. And, yes, I think he influences the passing game more than the running game, which is a great compliment to him. I also went out of my way this week to watch a lot of A-B pass attempts and, and, and really isolate on him throughout the year. 
And that quote, everyone's talking about how Ben and A.B. aren't on the same page or there's a disconnect there. Well, it's not with the wide receiver. <laughs> I can promise you that. He looks as good as ever, even though I do think he's getting more physical coverage. And surprisingly, the refs haven't called a lot of it. And But he's he's always getting doubled. And he's always, I mean, he, that's not new for him. Right. He's open, a, he's open a lot. And there's just been a lot of instances where Ben's missed them. And I, I tweeted something out the other day. I can't look at it on my timeline, but maybe you could find it. But the Pro Football Focus, they charted every pass route or every attempt that A.B. got that were 10 yards or longer. And it's amazing how few have connected. And really, I think they're on the quarterback. Well, certainly Sunday night it was. I mean, he had a poor yeah. game. Uh, and and but Sam, uh, there's been so many sideline routes that the ball ends up in the first row. You know, like if you're a great receiver and you have a one-on-one matchup, and even if you're covered, let me go make a play. Well, I, the, the the one that I point out, third quarter, and it's you know it's it's a tight ball game at that point. Um, third and four uh, on the near sideline near the Steelers bench, he was wide open, and Ben just threw it way wide of him. And there was a third and 12. Now, you know, third and 12 isn't exactly a high percentage makeable, but he was wide open over the middle, and Ben missed him. Um, right. He had a bad game. I There's no question about oh, that. Oh, he did. He did. And he's had a bad season when targeting Brown, which I think is probably fluky. Uh, to be honest, it would worry me more if I watched all Brown's routes and said, ooh, he's losing a step. He can't get open anymore against double coverage. I don't believe that to be the case at all. Okay. Um Atlanta, you talked about Kansas City, uh, and I just had the Atlanta play-by-play guy on, and I watched, I saw the New Orleans game, and I saw all the Bengals game, a game they should have won, frankly, their defense. <laughs> um, you talked about the Penguin game last night, the over and under on this game ought to be 3,000. Um, <clears> but <throat> uh, At least they've got an excuse. They're missing four starters out of their 11 guys. But we're talking about offense, and the Chiefs come to mind. We saw the kind of weapons. Uh, I actually think, Matt, that the, the the Falcons, especially now that Devontae Freeman's coming back, but aside from him, just the pass game, uh, you know, with, with Julio Jones and with Sanu and now with Calvin Ridley, I think that their group is actually better than Kansas City's. Yeah, it might be because Julio's unbelievable. I mean, I know everyone around here just assumes A.B.'s the best receiver in the league, but it's really a 50-50 coin flip to me. And when you talk about, Besides Jerry Rice, who's the best receiver that ever lived, Julio's absolutely in that conversation, too. He actually averages more yards per game than Brown, which is amazing. He's on pace for 2,000 yards this year. <laughs> I mean, him and himself is just so special that, yes, I agree with you. You know, if you, um, you know, like I'd take Kelsey over their other guys and those type of things. But, yes, I mean, there's, there's no answer for Julio, let alone from this secondary. That would not bode well for Sunday afternoon. Um, <laughs> no, but the Falcons are saying the same thing. Yeah, probably so. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, they are. And, and I also raise this possibility. Um, even though the Steelers' offense has not clicked at times, like they thought it would, and obviously without Le'Veon Bell, given the state of their defense, do they need to be – I realize you want to score when you can, as often as you can – but the one drive that was impressive to me, which got him back in the game, uh, was the six-minute, only ended in a field goal, but it was a six-minute drive 
uh, and and got them back in the game with the Boswell field goal, but it also kept the Baltimore offense on the sideline. Did the Steelers need to rethink their offense by not throwing the ball over the place and trying to put steady drives, if only to protect the defense, or is that a losing strategy? No, I think it's I think it's great on Friday afternoon, you know, but when you're down 14 before you know it, right. it isn't, or AB's getting open at will, and your protection's better than your run blocking, and your receivers are better than your running back, and on game day when the bullets are flying and the Falcons are scoring every time they touch the ball, I think it's a wonderful strategy, and I bet the Falcons and the Steelers coaching staff have stressed offensive balance all week. You know, they know what their defense is. Let's slow this thing down and maybe both will have some success doing so. But my hunch is when it's all said and done, it's going to be guns a-blazing. Well, then lastly, given really, I think, dire circumstances, both teams. Falcons go one and four um, in that division, you know, with, uh, you know, with Carolina. That conference. Yeah, that, that conference. Uh, they're, they're in big trouble. Um, if the Steelers go one, three, and one, um, psychologically, I think the damage it would do to them um, I mean, who outshoots who? Yeah, I don't have a great feel. And to, to reiterate, I mean, even take that a step further, I read last night that the Steelers' remaining schedule is the second most difficult in the league. You know, like when we looked at the schedule to begin with, it was like, well, they'll beat the Bucs, they'll beat the Browns. You know, well, it's not as smooth sailing from here on out by any stretch. And teams like Baltimore and Cincinnati are obviously playing better than most thought. Um. I think I'm going to take the Falcons in a very close one, a very high-scoring game. But their defense is horrible, too. And it's an execution-based defense that's based on having very good players. And because of injuries and the no fault of their own, they don't have very good players anymore. So I don't think they're going to offer much resistance at all to the Steelers. But I think Matt Ryan's playing much better than Ben right now. Yeah. Uh, It's just hard to imagine – the Steelers containing that, and and yeah, right, uh, you know, and, and after what we saw, and you know, clearly Baltimore's defense is better than Atlanta's, but it's just, it's just hard to envision. Um, and maybe the last answer is the pass rush, right? I mean, that, that's to me, the, that's the great that's it. factor. Yeah, that whoever rushes the passer better probably wins in this game. And I know this kind of contradicts what I said, but I kind of think the Steelers' pass rush is the better of the two, especially when you factor in the protection. Atlanta's protection is good. I think the Steelers' protection is excellent. And if Grady Jarrett doesn't play, their interior Geno Atkins-type guy, I think that does favor the Steelers because I reluctantly trust to it and Cam and those guys. Well, apparently Grady Jarrett is out. Uh, they're not, yeah, that's good for the Steelers. Anybody being out, would maybe they'll only play with 10. <laughs> uh, be what they're looking for. Matt, thanks very much. Again, check Matt out at ClaytonFootball.com. It's a great site, and uh, Matt contributes solely there, but he also contributes on Steelers Nation Radio and here on Fridays on Saverin on Sports. Thank you, Matt.